You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. I just was thinking, I think we are the only church in America this morning that can say that their Citadel grad worship leader sang all the single ladies. And a boy band. There was a boy band. (laughs) There was a boy band song. (laughs) How are y'all this morning? Good? Um, So it's been a fun weekend. Yep. We're excited about this morning, but we did have... A really fun day yesterday we want to talk about before we go into yes, this morning. For the morning. second year in a row. For the second year in a row, our Cathedral Academy girls and guys made it to the state championship game. Wow. Yes. And um, so it was brutally close for our boys. Yeah. When I say brutally, I mean it was tied into the last second of the game and the other team had a buzzer beater beat us by one shot. That yeah. was, I mean, we were so. Ripped our heart out. Luke said, that, that boy is talking about that shot. He's going to be telling his great grandkids oh, one yeah. day about him making that shot. So yeah. they were so close, but they played a great game. But the girls? But the girls took the state, the 2A state championship. Yeah. Um, by, I mean, by, and some of our girls are here. They're going to, I've seen some of them. They don't, and. Uh, Juju's here, and Coach is here. I saw Coach, Coach Chris stand up. Yeah, stand that, up. Chris that was Chris. Um, and so they, I mean, they won by... Was so it, it, was was it? it was a mauling. It was a mauling. It was a mauling. And so yeah. they worked hard for that. So congratulations to CA. Um, that was a fun. Yes. That was a fun Saturday. So we got one more weekend left. We got this weekend. And, and we're, we're going to teach people how to fight. We're going to teach them how to fight, babe. Yes. Um, but what was interesting because we were talking about it in the room in the office before, and you, you need to learn how to fight because it is a reality of life. Like conflict is, it's just a part of life. And a lot of people don't know how to fight. A lot of people, a lot of families and people will fight and they'll blow up and they'll say their piece and then they leave, they sweep it under the rug and they never address it. Yeah. I, I remember the first time I sat down in y'all's house and Pastor Mike it was their first, like, scuffle I saw as a family. And Pastor Mike says, all right, so the rules are. You know, you know, I was like, well, this ain't a fight if there's rules. It's <laughs> you know, not how fights work in my family. So, you better just get over it when I'm done. Yeah, you know? but the like, problem is when you sweep it under the rug and just try to get over it, the next fight, it's actually still there. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. there's a way to conflict resolve that benefits marriage and relationships. So that's what we want to talk about. Yeah, and I think that what sets up conflict is that we're so different. Guys like we are so different, or like men. I think and most, most but definitely are, me and you as well. Well, I think part of the difference is. I don't have my nails done like that. Yeah, that's a sure sign. Well, part of the part of the difference. Doug, I think my nails. <laughs> part of the difference is that you you don't necessarily like to talk about the problem as much as I like to talk about the problem, or guys maybe don't like to talk about. Yeah. So we, like we, we tend to like to fix the problem. Not as much talk about the problem. Well, <laughs> so you can't even use the word fix. You know, you're not even allowed to use that word. That's, that's like a cuss word in marriage. <laughs> we, no, we like, you know, I just, I, I want to talk about what happened and then talk about what happened again and then talk about what could have happened and then talk about how that made me feel, how it should have made him feel, how it could have made other people feel. I want to talk about what's going to happen the next time. 
And then we probably need to talk about all that one more time to make sure we're on the same page. You know what I mean? I'm like, you get two talk about. After that, you go to your girlfriends. You know what I'm saying? Like, kidding, baby. And, and Luke is a lot more like, are we ready to fix the problem yet? Or are we, we still just want to talk about it? And so we have a video um, that... You can't, you can't do a marriage series and not show this video. And we've showed the video before, but it's too good. It describes the yeah. difference between men and women. And, like, men want to just... Shoot the problem. Like, Luke's like, that's a problem. It's over. We don't, I mean, you know. But it's not over for us. So take a look at the ultimate description of male and female and, and talking through the problem. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it. Like, literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just don't try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go? I also think that there's a difference in, in men and women because a lot of times we we think something is a big deal. And men tried to help us not get amped up about it. But in them trying to stay calm, we feel like they don't understand how important it is. So we need to go on and on so that they understand the gravity of the situation. Like, I could say, babe, do you notice that there's a thunderstorm? I hope there's not a tornado. Right? Luke, trying to get me not to be worried about the tornado, will say, oh, there's absolutely 100% not going to be a tornado. Well, then I'm like, well, my goodness, he doesn't even understand that there could be a tornado. So now I need to tell him about the odds of tornadoes. I need to read him some articles about what happens when families are... I need to send him some pictures and some news clips and definitely some TikTok videos on tornadoes because he doesn't understand the gravity, but he's really trying to keep me from getting worked up about the tornado. trying to keep you from putting the kids in the closet. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I, we say all that to say it's just natural. Like men and women are just naturally really different. So learning how to have conflict and healthy conflict is something that you have to work at. And recently in our message, we talked about makers and breakers in relationships. And part of one of the things that makes makers work and make them and they make it is they understand that everyone messes up and makers they understand this so like if you want to talk about it a lot or a little or fix it, whatever uh, your way is not just the right way 
that everyone, everyone. Yeah, and essentially with. the summary of that last talk was you have makers and breakers. Breakers are going to destroy your relationship. Makers are going to build it. Yeah. And all of that creates a bank account, essentially. So every time you use a breaker, you know, disrespect and things like that, it takes money out of that account. Uh, when the account is full from the makers, that's when grace is, is, is a part of the thing. So really, you can't have this message without the last message. When the tank is not full, good luck on solving a conflict because yeah. it's just not going to happen. You really got to build that account to, to where the other person does have grace for you. Yeah. Because everybody's going to mess up. Yeah. So there's two kind of problems that we want to talk about today that I think are, are quite um, – the statistics to me were shocking – you obviously, there is solvable conflict and there is unsolvable conflict. And I think oftentimes people get really wrapped up in unsolvable conflict and it becomes the spotlight of the marriage. And so now there's this perpetual issue of conflict that's not going away. Like it's, it's not going to well, leave. And, and you think you're trying to, a lot of this stuff is the way it kind of works out is most of your conflict that you struggle with in fighting is stuff that you can't fix yeah. about her or about him. It just kind of is the way they, way they are. And what ends up happening is you think you can fix that, and that's when you kind of get in trouble realizing that it's not fixable. Yeah, but one of the things that we have found, and we'll talk, we're going to talk a little bit more about unresolved conflict, but it, sometimes it's fun if you can learn to have a sense of humor about your unresolved conflict. Like there are just some things that are, they are what they are, and instead of getting worked up, it becomes a funny issue. Every person you pick is going to have struggles. There's just there's no way around it. And so that's what we're talking about with unresolvable conflict is there's just some things that everybody's going to do that drive you crazy. Yeah, because with every relationship has perpetual problems because of like different personality styles. So what you're saying here, babe, is if you were married to someone else here, they might not drive on your grass, but you might have other problems with yeah. them. Like I would have an intact sprinkler system. <laughs> yeah. So like it's very easy to look at someone else and say, oh, well, I wouldn't have, they don't do this or they don't do that. But with yeah. every, there comes these right. things. Right. And so uh, when you know that, when you begin to recognize these things, the, the word that Luke and I use for them is we have isms. And we are very open and we talk about our isms on a regular basis. There are things that you just do. It's just the way you are. It's not necessarily going to change. And there are these isms that will grate other people, and there are isms that don't affect anybody else. So, for example, some of our isms that don't affect each other. Um, when I go to the microwave and I put something in the microwave, I push the buttons of whatever my fingers land on. So if it Doesn't matter the food. <laughs> Doesn't matter the food. Are y'all mind blown right now? When I realized this, I was like, geez, this is crazy. But there's a lot of people who do it. Yes, yeah, so it's like if I'm going to put something in. They're probably Carolina if, fans or something. I'll, I'll stick it in for, like, put it in the microwave, and if my, it's like 22 seconds or 23 seconds or 39 seconds. Luke pretty much heats up everything in a 30-second, like either 30 seconds yeah. or 60 Why seconds. Why is there even odd numbers on the microwave? Like. <laughs> and he thinks it's just shocking that I'm like 17 seconds or... 11 seconds instead of, but instead of going to 10 seconds, just hit 1-1. One, one. A one second doesn't make a difference, but you don't have to move your finger all the way down to the zero. It's just, it's like an ism. It's an ism, right? I don't, I, when I get in the shower, I have no idea what I'm going to do first. Some days I wash my hair. Some days I shave my legs. Some days I shave my armpit. Sometimes I soap up my loofah first. Just whatever when I get in, Luke 
every time he gets in the shower is the same order every single time. See, for 40 years I've been doing 40 it. 40 years I've been doing it. This <laughs> never going to change. Never going to change. Like and if that. that was to drive you crazy, it doesn't, in, dri- that, that I know, doesn't drive you crazy. But if it was, we'd right. be in trouble because right. I, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Like Luke. I'm going to start with the head and work my way down. Yeah. Every, yeah. Like every good red blooded American, <laughs> I thought, no? So those are just isms. Now, here's the deal is we also have those isms that come, that oftentimes present unresolvable conflict. So, for example, if, if someone generally, let's just say, the, let's use messy. Like, or, no, let's use this. Luke loves to have a plan. Like he loves it. It's, there's nothing I can do that's going to change that about Luke. I personally... Trying to, friends, trying to think of the right word. I, a plan, it's not, it's, I understand the value of a plan. We, I have to have a plan. I have a family with three children who are involved in sports and work. So I have to have a plan. It's non-realistic to not have a plan. But my preference is to not live a super structured plan. I like a lot of creativity. I like a lot of spontaneity. Sometimes I feel like a plan is going to shut me down and lock me into something. And so oftentimes when a plan is trying to be made, I will like, like put my heels out and I'm like, hmm. That stresses me out. Like, if you ask me to do something in three weeks, I'm going to have hives because I'm like, well, I don't know what else I'm going to be doing in three weeks. But those are, that's something about me and it's something about Luke that it's just the way we are. There's no level of nagging that I'm going to change. There's nothing I'm going to do that's going to make him not want a plan. There's nothing that I'm going to do that's going to make, that he's going to do that's going to make me want a plan. But there's a way that we learn to work together and there's a way that you can let these Isms, these unresolvable conflicts, become the highlight, center-focused part of your marriage. And and those really have become, like, those have, a lot of those things really are where a lot of our fights are. Yeah. Is those silly little things like that about us. And And I think once, this is is what try to do. If you start to recognize them, and then you just have dialogue about it. So now it looks so different when I say, babe, I understand that the girls have games, and I understand that. And I understand we need a plan for that week. But can I just tell you, for some reason, it's like grading me right now. He, is, he says, it's no big deal. I'm going to go ahead and put it on the calendar. I'll go ahead and make it happen. We'll put it on there just in case. If, it ne- if we need to change it, we can. Instead of it becoming the source of contention. And so there's a way that you begin to have enough grace for the other person just because you love them. That instead of their isms driving you crazy and continually being a source of conflict, that you understand, you know what? God gave me this really special person. And I understand there are things about them that are just the way they are. And I'm not going to just try, I'm not going to try to make them different. Now, one thing that I do think we need to stop and pause here, babe, is isms and the excuse of that's just the way I am is not reason for bad behavior. Yeah. Is, isms are like peculiar things, if you think about it. They're not, they're not breakers. They're not, we have these isms that we have to get used to that are called disrespect. It's not anything like that. Um, this is not like I just have a, a relation. I'm best friends with my ex, and that's just who I am. I'm not good. That's yeah, not yeah, an that, we're not talking, That's a breaker. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's going to bring a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, so, and really that goes to the single people as well. Like when you're looking through who your potential uh, dating is and all that kind of stuff, you're going to have to realize there's things about everybody that are a little off, if that makes sense. It's just who they are. But, but things that got to get right should be right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not saying this replaces isms and breakers are the same thing. It's totally different. Yeah. Alcoholism is very different than p- 
putting things in the microwave funny. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, do, do, don't, ma don't take what we're saying and then use it later on in conflict as an excuse and be like, Megan and Luke said that's just the way that I am. That's not what we're saying. And we're, and, and we're saying that when you're dating people, so for all of our single people, when you're looking at someone, recognize this is who they are. This is who they're going to be. So do not tell yourself when you're dating. All my single people, do not. I can't even look up here because I've told this group this a thousand times. Do not date potential. Date reality. Do not date potential because what you see is what you're going to get. And, and so that's, that's our point is there are certain things about each other you need to learn to love and not, not conflict over. Yes. And the way we talk about this too, where, where this ends up happening is uh, if you don't do this right, you end up in a place of gridlock. So this thing that drives me crazy about her plan and not wanting a plan, what can end up happening is it can tick her off that I'm trying to make a plan. It can tick me off that she doesn't want to make a plan, and we end up getting gridlocked. Mm -hmm. And when gridlock happens, there's no grace. Yeah. And so what we're, the goal of realizing we got to stay out of this gridlock. we got to realize what we can fix and what we can't fix. And if we we got to re realize that the gridlock, the only way to get out of there is grace, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. And so you want to open these fists of freedom in a sense of you've got to figure out a way to get past the gridlock. Yeah, if you can move from gridlock to grace, and the way that you do that is that you open fist and you ask questions. Um, we were um, just on a trip with a well, couple. But before you go there, the, you've got to ask the questions. A lot of time that gridlock, you're there because you don't realize. Remember what we talked about last time was the love mapping. Uh, and, and we end up fighting about surface things that have a way deeper meaning down here. But if you never did the love mapping and asking the questions that drives the, the sometimes crazy things we do, you don't really know what you're fighting at. You're, it's like fighting the wind. You know what I'm saying? Like you're never going to get anywhere. So the love mapping and asking those questions is a big deal in this. It's a huge deal because if you're gridlocked, like for example, here's a, a way to go from gridlock to open fist. Um, you're gridlocking and he is fussing because you spend so much money. Why are you spending again? Did you spend again? There's a way that that is a gridlock situation. And when you love map and you ask questions, now there's a way that you're talking about, and you say, I felt like I was only buying necessities. We had to have this. Why, are, why does that frustrate you so much? And then it gives him the space to say back, listen, I feel the financial responsibility of the house. I know what bills are coming. I worry if something happens to me physically and I can't work, I want us to be taken care of. I worry about being able to make all the bills work. I worry about our retirement. That weight weighs very heavy on me. So now we've moved from a gridlock financial fight of why do you spend all the time? Why are you such a tightwad? Like now you have no idea what it takes to make what we have to buy for these kids. Now it moves from that gridlock fight to now I much more understand the deeper meaning and I've asked, I've loved Matt, so I understand why it stresses him out. Does that make, so now I've moved from gridlock and now where he's frustrated with me and I'm frustrated with him, to now it moves to a place of grace. And now I understand your fear, he understands my needs, and now it's a much more space to want, now I'm not near as defensive when he says something about spending because I understand where his heart is coming from yeah. when he talks about it. And that line has become a dream catcher. You're really just trying to catch the dream that's in their heart or the fear that's in their heart. We were on our on a way um, on a trip this week with a couple of friend a friend of ours, and they have young kids, and it's a lot when you're going out of town to get all of the kids taken care of. There's just there's a weight on a mom, of all the details and who's picking up who and who's going when that oftentimes the dad is unaware of. It's just a load that. Or even if he is aware of, he can't fix. Right. <laughs> um, Are y'all laughing at that? 
Um, and it can be stressful. And oftentimes on a trip, you, you can't relax or enjoy it unless you know they're taken care of. Like, you got to call your mama, make sure that she's going to pick her up. You got to make sure your sister's going to drop them off at practice. You know, like, it's just, it's this thing. And they didn't even realize that we were listening, but we were, they were in the back seat, and, and he leaned over to her, and he said, baby, do you feel at peace with everything you landed on with where the kids are while we're gone? And it was, it was a, such a sweet form of love mapping because he didn't need to ask that question. She had it taken care of. It was her own burden to carry, but it, it was a way to, in future, instead of gridlock, it'll be grace because he now understands, he's aware, even though it's not his weight to carry, it's not, she's carrying it, he's aware of the weight that she has. And it, it, it's a way of opening grace. Really All right. All right. Next, next part. So then you have you have the unsolvable. Then you have the solvable problems, which is thirty-one percent of your problems. Yeah, thirty. Uh, so we want to go through really quickly of of some of the things in these solvable problems that you can do. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about the first two, and then we give you some examples. So the first one is gentleness. Yes, and that's a big one. The way I kind of think about it is like you're opening line to a conflict if you're gonna start something with your wife. That's a terrible way to say it, but. If you're gonna if you're gonna start a conflict or you want to do something, that opening line usually is gonna determine how your next two hours is gonna go. Uh, you know, if you end up calling her a jack leg and all this kind of thing, it's not gonna end up good. But if you learn how to say something that you're feeling in a gentle way, it's gonna change the ballgame. Okay, but we need to pause because we forgot to tell them that. We want you to, this is, you're going to grade yourself on these next four, okay? So, and I'm going to make it really clear. I had some teachers tell me last time I wasn't quite as clear on my grading scale. So a one is you're horrible at this. A five is you're a shining star. So if you feel like that when you approach a conflict discussion, you are the most gentle, like you are like a ballerina coming into that, then you give yourself a five. If you feel like you're a wrecking ball, then you give yourself a one. And listen, let me also say this to the single people. One of the things we talk to you guys a lot about is you need to build a checklist and you need to have standards. And this is what they have to meet up to. I need you to take this home with you and you put it on a piece of paper. And when you start dating someone, then you can say, are they gentle? Do they do all of So that's what you're going to do with this if you're single. If you're married, you're going to grade yourself. And then later you're going to sit down with your spouse and say, hey, I rated myself a five on gentleness. Where would you put me? Okay. And then we'll have a conflict message number two. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right, so, yeah, so you start up the conversation gentle, and then number two is... Accepting influence. Accepting influence. Okay, this is a this huge is a big point. one. It's a big one. It's a big one because, you know, Scripture because talks... really, <clears throat> hopefully the person starts with gentleness, then hopefully the response is accepting an influence. Yes. So... Proverbs um, says this, um, Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This, listen, if you can't let your spouse sharpen you into becoming the weapon that God has for you of this world, you're missing it. You're missing it because they see you, they know you better, they see your good, and they see your faults. And this is crucially important. Let me give you an example of the way the two of them can go together, okay? Accepting influence and gentleness. Luke made the comment to you guys, was it the, la the last time we talked, and you said you were, you're, how did you phrase that? My knee jerk is a jerk. His knee jerk is a jerk. He grew up with all boys, and now he has a family of all girls. There's a way that he could just stay stuck in that place and say, that is who I am. This is the way I talk. This is the way I handle situations. This is the way I handle conflict. Get over it. I mean, he is the head of the household. That's how he could be. 
But with having girls, it was crucially important to him that his knee jerk was no longer a jerk. And so the way that conversations... Well, even when I didn't think I was being a jerk, right. just my tone and the way I was with girls was totally different. I didn't know how to talk to girls. So our conversations now and throughout have been a lot like this, babe. I know your heart. I really know your heart. And I feel really confident the way you just said that or what you just did was 100% not reflective of how I know you feel. I don't think you realize when whoever, the, that person walked away, I don't think you realized how they felt. Those conversations have been what has been such a drastic change in who he is. Because there's been so many times that he has said, I had no idea. And we'll go back to the person, did I, did I make you feel that way? Well, yeah, you did. And it was so not how he intended. But because I gently approached that conversation and he was so willing to let me influence him, it's, it's become a drastically different father and man of God. Roles reversed to me. It, and it's different than if I just said, why are you such a jerk? Like, why were you such a jerk just then? That doesn't influence him. It's not gentle, and it creates defensiveness. For me, there's a way that he can say to me, babe, I feel like your level of fear right now is so much that you're going to create an unhealthy fear in the girls. I know you don't want them to struggle with some of the things you're, you're fearful of, but I think what you're giving off right now is that. Instead of saying, why are, you, why are you acting like a crazy woman? There's nothing to be scared of. And then it's a way that we influence each other because we approached it gently. And conflict is so much easier to resolve when those two things are on the table. Number three, move towards com compromise. Um, this is a big deal and something I, we see a lot with uh, relationships. It almost seems like there's a trophy to be won or there's a report card that the other one's sitting there holding and you're waiting for the other person to mess up or you're wanting to correct all the time. Uh, and then all of a sudden you're gridlocked and you don't know what hap how it happened and you were just pointing things out and all that kind of stuff. There's an issue of, uh, that we see where fem or relationships, they don't compromise. They don't learn how to get on with it. They want to stay, stake their claim and they feel like there's a trophy at the end of the conversation. That is, that is something that really will keep you in gridlock and you won't be able to move on. Yeah, it's, um, we, we have the phrase in our relationship, where you just don't keep score. Like yeah. you don't keep score in a relationship. And let me just say, like, there's something whenever you're having a fight or a discussion, when your blood pressure goes, when your heart rate goes over 100, like your adrenaline's released, and generally, like, you're not ready to compromise. Like, it, you know, that adrenaline, like, that fight or flight, you're amped. Like, that's not generally when conversation is the best. Yeah, we read a study, and it was studying these, all these relationships, and every time they would start to fight, they, the people who were watching would slip in and act like there was mic issues. And so what ended up happening was they would pause and they would fix the mic issues. It would take like 15 minutes and then they would let them go back. And when they went back, they had a much higher success rate of solving the problem. And so we were thinking through that and we're like, how many times do we really, we get so amped up to where then we're saying things we don't mean, saying things we can't put back in the box, you know, and then all of a sudden you've created so much damage because really at those high adrenaline levels, you shouldn't be discussing things like that. And then what gets, makes it worse is when we've love mapped and we know the internal fears and stuff that the other one struggles with, we tend to use them in those moments mm -hmm. against them. It's like bullets in a fight that should never have been pulled out of the gun. You know what I'm saying? And you start using these things in these tense moments that you would never say normally. And then they have so much more damage that they cause because it's done in a hurtful moment like that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so moving toward compromise, and it kind of goes with the second. We're taking a break because I think that, that that is not to be confused with being okay. passive aggressive yeah. and walking out and acting disinterested in the conversation. That is not what taking a break is. Whenever me and Luke had our first argument, we lived in a, an apartment building, and our apartment doors faced each other like friends. So my, me and my girls lived in this apartment. They lived in that apartment. Me and Luke got in our first argument, and Luke walked out of my apartment and stormed into his apartment. And so I stormed right, I followed out right into his apartment, and I said, do not ever walk out on me again. And if you ever do it again, don't ever walk back in. And she meant it. And, and I meant it. Me. And I meant it. Here's and why. Not, not just not just to be like sassy, but because if me and my feelings and our issues you don't value enough to table and discuss and that's easy for you to walk out on, then I don't, you don't value me enough. So that, that is a really big deal. So do not allow that to be something, don't walk away and act disinterested. There's a way that you say, listen, I love you enough and I care about your feelings and I don't wanna say something that violates this relationship. So can we please just pause? And we'll come back to it. Yeah, let's let the water stop boiling before we drink it. Yes. Yeah. It's a great uh, phrase. You just came up with that, huh? Just, yeah. Right there. Yeah. 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 Thank not- you, Lord. <laughs> 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 Put that on a T-shirt. Okay. Um, all right. Last one. Let's end with this. Shared meaning. Um, and moving towards compromise, <clears throat> it's easier to do that when you have a shared meaning. Uh, marriage was made by God, and there is a meaning that you have as a couple. And that's... Sh- that's supposed to be discussed. That's something you should talk about. You, what is your meaning for a relationship? What are you guys building together? First uh, Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And that's something really good, even talking about that moving towards compromise. Take, take something like that when you need a break, when you guys realize you're hitting each other hard and it's, it, the, you know, you're amped. Go read something like that. I promise the water will stop boiling. Go pray together. Take a walk outside. But the, having that meaning helps you step out of the fight. And the fight is something you can put on the table and say, who are we? What are we fighting about? Why are we fighting about it? Why are we doing this much damage to the relationship over something oftentimes that is so simple? Yeah, I think the real reason is God looked at, at us and he said that I'm going to make this beautiful union. And then he described love being this way, which means there is, pe- there is people and things out there that need patience and they need kindness. They need a place that envy is not there, that pride is not there. There needs to be a place that feels like there's protection there, that there's trust there, something that never fails. That's something this world needs. And God took man and woman and the union of that to make that happen. And so do not be ignorant enough to think that your marriage was designed to only benefit yourself. The union and the love that does this between a husband and wife is meant to be a lighthouse to the entire world. And what, what God means for good, the enemy always wants to take and to pervert. Where God makes love, the enemy twists it to lust. Where he takes humbleness, the enemy wants to take it and make pride. And so God 
what God intended for your marriage to be, the enemy wants to twist and to distort. And sometimes it's crucially important for us to look at our conflict and to say, I understand that what scripture says in Ephesians 6, that our struggle is not a flesh and blood struggle, but there is a dark, dark enemy that wants this not to happen. And so there's a whole world that needs this. And the enemy wants to stop this. And that's why the conflict is there. And that when sometimes you realize the fight's not between me and you. And so let's stop and realize why we're really fighting. Why the struggle is so hard. Because the world needs a love that is patient and that is kind and that doesn't end me. A love that always protects and that fights for what is right. And the, the enemy would love to rob that of your marriage. When we used to do fuel... I loved having strong, healthy couples because you don't have to be Stephen Furtick to make an impact in this world. You don't have to be able to preach the walls down. You just have to show people an example of love. And these kids, and you put a, you put a good relationship in front of them, all of a sudden there's so much hope. They got something to live for. They got something to go after. They got something to, to value when they see a man love a woman and a woman love a man and they're creating this home. Like, come on, come on, let me get you around the teenagers. Let me show them that home is possible, that healthy, happy families are possible. Uh, it's such a ministry these days. I think it would be the number one way to combat marriage conflict is shared meaning. And yeah. what, is, what is our marriage, what is our family doing for the world? This past January, um, it was the first Sunday that we were here, and I, I mentioned it to you earlier, but I'll finish the story. Um, we sang the song that we sang actually this morning, and it was, um, I will do whatever you want. I will do whatever you want. And Make I, room. huh? Make room. Make room. I'll, I'll do whatever you want. And um, I remember praying that prayer on, on Monday or on Sunday at church, and then Monday morning we were here for prayer, and that was kind of like, my plea to God was, whatever you want this year in 2023, I'll make room for whatever you want, whatever it is. Like, you've done a great job writing the story. Don't let me try to pick up the pen for myself. Like, whatever you want. That was on Monday morning. Monday night, we went to dinner as a Turner Five, me and Luke and our three girls. And it was our goals dinner. We do that every year. And we talk about what goals do we want this year. And one of the goals that, we and, that you and I had discussed was, um, to be exactly what Luke talked about, to be a place, have our home be a place where people that don't have home and don't have family, don't can't touch that love, family dinner, whatever that looks like. We wanted this year to be something that we opened that up a lot more and people could experience that, whatever. We understand when scripture says, to whom much is given, much is required. And we're very aware that we've been given something sweet. So that was our goal. And we thought it was going to be more of a hospitality kind of thing, yes. just having dinners and letting young people come over who... Come from broken land at the house, feel family. That yeah. was kind of what. Um, so it was fun when we went to dinner that night because our girls brought up on their own. Our friends just want to be here, and I would like for this year to be something that we have a lot of friends at the house. That be something we do more. So we, as a Turner Five, that Monday night after that Sunday where we sang, I will make room, do whatever you want. I kind of made that commitment with the Lord. We made it together, and then we made it with the girls, and. That was on a Monday. And then on Wednesday, we got a phone call out of nowhere. 
asking if there was a way that we could take care of this 10-month-old little girl whose family can't right now. And it was such a precious way of God saying, love is patient and it's kind, and it needs people that are willing to step back from conflict and see what a shared meaning of marriage really can offer this world. And when you do that, and when you plug into that source, you realize why the enemy is coming after us with such conflict in our marriage. And the conflict becomes so small when your vision is on the shared meaning. And so what we want to do is we want to just take a time of worship. We got a, that song. We're going to hit that song again of Make Room for You. And, and I don't know uh, where everybody is when they came in here today. Some may be in gridlock. Some maybe having a wonderful marriage and you just have a vision of increasing and doing more and, and maybe this kind of thing. Uh, but we want you to take some time here and, and hold the hand of your spouse. And if you're in gridlock, get out of gridlock. If you're looking for meaning, talk about your meaning. Pray about your meaning. Ask the Lord about your meaning. Take, take some time to really let the Lord do something in your life and do something with your marriage and, and let him take, uh, give you a vision of what your marriage can do for the people around you. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you right now. We just pray that your presence fills this place. We pray that your presence is strong. I pray visions over the couples here. Lord, I pray that visions over the single people here. I pray that you just give them great excitement for what is and what they can do and what you can do. Lord, I know there's some problems that seem irreparable, but right now, Lord, I minister your hope into those dark places. I minister your hope into those places that feel so calloused, so old. It's just the way I am. Lord, I pray that you break every heart in here. You break every tradition of, of loneliness. You break every tradition of hardness. You break every tradition of something that has been the way it's always been. Lord, I pray hope into those places. Do a work in us today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I think it's not as important about what we're fighting about as what we're fighting for. I want you to hear that again. It's not so important about what you're fighting about. It's what you're fighting for. Leave here today knowing what you're fighting for. Go dream. Go pray about it. Guys, I know this whole series has been a little tough for all of us in the sense of a lot of us weren't trained to do any of this stuff. You know, we're trained to be hard and strong, and, and that ends up not working its way out really well in marriage. Uh, and we weren't taught how to fight. We weren't taught how to fight fair, that's for sure. But I pray that you go figure it out. You, it's not about reading books. It's about going and getting with God and letting him show you this is how it is. This is where you were wrong. This is what you did wrong. This is it. Go out in the woods and just fight with God until he sharpens you and, and molds you and shape you. This language of admiration and honor and respect is just foreign to most of us guys. But you give me a hundred guys who have that language, I can build a church where people find so much hope and so much life and so much understanding and young people will flock to it because they desperately, desperately need it. You learn that language that most of us weren't taught you learn how to honor and you learn how to respect and you learn how to admire people, especially your wife. You're going to have a ministry bigger than you ever planned on in your life. 
And you can do it even if you weren't trained to do it. You can do it today if you have no clue how to do it. And it's all about getting with God and let him teach you how to do it. Amen. Amen. Let's bless you guys. Oh, man. Okay. May the Lord keep you and bless you. May he bless you with a marriage that is a lighthouse to the whole world. I bless you with a love that is patient and that is kind and that protects, that always trusts, always, always perseveres. And it's a testimony of how great your God is. May the Lord bless you with that this week. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.